Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. This is your introduction guy, Tom Salemi, here with the host of the show, Steve Krupa. Hey, Steve. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. All right. Great. It's a Friday afternoon. I think we're both uh, counting the minutes to, uh, to getting out time. So, uh, but you also spent some time today uh, visiting with uh, Daphne Zohar of PureTech. And it's yeah. a, kind of a biotech company, but they really seem to be putting a lot of emphasis on uh, digital therapeutics. Uh, what, what areas are they focusing on? Yeah, I mean, she, first of all, uh, she is uh, organizing uh, early stage technologies, uh, trying to validate them, and then ultimately uh, build businesses around them. Um, her interests are uh, in the brain, uh, the gut, and the immune system. And, uh, you know, her investments range from uh, traditional uh, biotech investments in terms of. Uh, Trying to find a uh, a therapeutic, a, med- a medicine, uh, all the way through to what she describes as uh, digital medicines, or, or what we uh, often think of on the digital health side of things, digital therapeutics. Um, and uh, it was an interesting conversation. It was a little, honestly, it's a little self indulgent for me because I I like to sort of dig into the very early technology stuff if it's if it's interesting. And she had. Um, she had two companies that, that struck me as interesting uh, when I first started researching what she did. One company, uh, the Sync Project, which uh, looks to create a scientific uh, relationship between music and mood and potentially music and uh, a, a used as a therapy to treat, um, to treat the mind. And uh, the mind, as we know, has is, is got a big impact on, on illness and health. And then another company called um, Sand, uh, which looks to, f- to find uh, signals in the voice that would correlate uh, to disease states so that you could monitor someone through their voice signature. So those were like sort of really interesting things that I thought were, uh, were worth uh, exploring on this program. We didn't really get in, into it in our conversation last week, but uh, you are a music guy. Uh, yeah. How far did you take that? I know you're in a band yeah, no, well, I play the uh, tambourine. What was it again? Yeah, no, that was the tambourine player <laughs> in a, in a, in a uh, psychedelic rock band. I um, <clears throat> I was a guitar player and still am a guitar player. And uh, for a point in time when I was living in the city, um, I managed rock bands as sort of a side project. And not rock bands, but musical artists that would be in the rock genre. Not all of them were bands. Some of them were solo artists. artists. I got a few people signed, actually, to record labels. Um, but then it began to, you know, just take up too much time and money. So I stuck to my day job <laughs> and picked up a podcast. Look at you. Yeah. 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 In fact, do you know the artist who, uh, created the opening to our podcast, right? That's right. That's yep. Barry Angel. She's yep. one of my artists. She's got a great album called come down. If you can find it, it's worth listening to if you're into Marianne faithful and Lucinda Williams. But yeah, that's, uh, that's right. She uh, lent us that music for our podcast. Terrific. I'm feeling better just talking about music, so there must be something something to this. <laughs> There's definitely something to it. I, I would, I you know, they're gonna. You can volunteer on the website to be part of a broad mass sort of study 
on, uh, on music and its effect on your health and your mood. If they can actually put together reasonable data on this, you know, I could see this being combined with, with games. And, and there is another company that she talks about in terms of using games as a diagnostic and a therapy for um, attention deficit disorder. Um, uh, and, potentially, yeah, but, and potentially Alzheimer's too. Right? That was yeah, just, and yeah, Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Alzheimer's. So um, you could probably begin to see how you might take music and games and a lot of these other things and begin to link them into an environment because the biggest issue with everything that we talk about on digital therapeutics, which uh, involves consumer engagement, is keeping people in the game. If I, if, and then quote game. Um, the tendency is for these types of uh, therapies not to be sticky enough to have an effect. So it, it is interesting uh, that music is brought into that equation because I can see that if, if it's part of the therapy, um, it can have you know, sort of a reason why people would want to go to the therapy down the road. So I hope that they are very successful at, at uh, creating those uh, relationships between music and, and health. I want you to find a company that uses like 70s and 80s sitcoms to improve health because I'd be all over that one. You could just sit there and uh, watch Seinfeld, Odd Couple. You could watch, well, Seinfeld's really the Yeah, 90s. 90s yeah, more, more Cheers, you know, maybe. Mary Tyler Moore. Early, early MASH, Hart. not the late yeah. MASH when it got kind of, kind of sappy. But. Yeah, yeah. That stuff probably would cheer you up. You could just like run through clips <laughs> of, uh, of the Odd Couple. I think it would cheer you up. I think we've got something. Can, can you contribute to my Series A, Steve? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's listen to uh, your interview with uh, Daphne Zohar from PureTech. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Daphne Zohar of PureTech. Welcome to the show, Daphne. Thanks, Steve. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, I love the idea that we're going to explore some new science and new technology in this discussion. Um, but before we get into the details of pure tech, you know, I, I think uh, the listeners will be somewhat curious as to what brought you to this point. So just give me a sense of your background. Entrepreneurs are a little crazy at times. We like to figure out why, because after all, it's, it's easier to get, just get a job than to start your own businesses. So um, I'm just interested. You're a, you're a healthcare entrepreneur. Um, what was the path that got you to this point? Yeah, so I've uh, I've always been really passionate about starting companies, and I started my first company when I was in high school. Became aware of this uh, need for uh, a different approach to translating academic innovation in biotech. Uh, the thinking is that often entrepreneurs uh, get excited about an idea, they drive it forward, and very rarely is there a um, a look at the problem, starting from the problem and looking at a full landscape of technologies. So usually entrepreneurs. Uh, are excited about one thing and they want to make it work. And the idea behind PureTech was to create sort of an institutional entrepreneur, an institutional founder, uh, but to start with big unmet needs in healthcare and then to look at every type of technology that one could apply to solving those unmet needs. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So how do you, um, well, first of all, you didn't want to tell me, do you, the company you started in high school, should I ask? Um, it's not that interesting, but I can tell you later. <laughs> So, um, where are you? Where are you sourcing your technologies from? Are you spending time with academics? Are you are you looking at in individuals or companies that are um, that are on the cutting edge of technology? Where do you get your ideas, and, and how do you sort through your ideas? 
Okay, uh, great. So we like to think of ourselves as a biotech company that's developing what we like like to think of as 21st century medicines. Mm -hmm. And we're really focused on the interface between the brain, the gut, and, and the immune system. Those are the three areas that are our major areas of focus. And in those areas, we typically start with a major unmet healthcare need. So we'll start with a problem. We'll think about who's really the expert that's spent the most time thinking about that problem. Uh, usually there's a handful of people that come up that are the leading experts in a therapeutic area, let's say depression. Uh, and then we'll get those people together. We'll spend a lot of time looking at what's been tried, what's failed, different approaches that are happening uh, that are being developed in academia. And we'll look at uh, a number of those technologies in license, run experiments to repeat academic work, and then uh, deprioritize or prioritize based on the results of those experiments, um, and particularly focused on whatever we're most skeptical about. So after we repeat the academic work, we say, okay, this is a big idea. What do we think is going to fail? Um, and we try to do that experiment early on. So that's the approach we take. We typically will look at about 650 technologies a year, mm -hmm. uh, and all of them are really either in the, the mental health GI or immune space, or you know, really in the interface between them. Yeah. So the the way that the way that I uh, developed an interest in what you're doing is because over on the digital health side, which is where we focus a lot of our attention, the the brain is of great interest to us, um, and primarily because there's, uh, I think, a pretty validated thesis that says that a lot of health conditions uh, can either be prevented or cured or certainly mitigated through uh, behavioral modification and uh, perception modification. And so that's how I came across uh, some of the things that you're doing. I also came across what you're doing because I'm a little bit of a music fan. And so when I found the Sync Project, I like, I like how to like read all that stuff because if music can make me healthy, you know, I should be the healthiest person in the world. So of the three, the brain, the gut, and the immune system, what caused you to, the fir first question I'd ask is what caused you to focus on just those three? Because they're all of interest to, to me, and they, and they seem to be uh, places where, where new discovery can be found pretty readily. So, so give me a sense for why those were the three that you picked. Well, really there are frontiers of medicine where there's a tremendous amount of work Mm -hmm. uh, happening in terms of understanding these systems. So the brain is really, you know, one of the big uh, frontiers going forward, uh, the immune system, uh, and, and also the interactions between them. So, for example, five years ago, people were talking about uh, neurology, and then they were talking about inflammation. Now they're talking about neuroinflammation. So there's uh, an understanding that these systems are not discrete, uh, independent, but, but actually functioning together. There's also new modalities that are being developed, which we're, we're really um, – very excited about, like the microbiome, which sit right in the interface between the brain, gut, and immune system. So um, these are these are areas that we think are really important, very um, very much interrelated. And uh, you know, I can say a little bit more about the the brain. And I agree with what you're saying about the unmet needs in mental health and the potential for digital medicines to have an impact in that space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that is that is one of the things that really interests me is. I mean, I love the biotech stuff. It's, it's very interesting. It's very much about building compounds. But the digital medicines is, are about sort of looking at how digital technology can impact behavior. So why don't we dig into that area since that's, that's where the, the overlap of our interests lie. 
And I guess I'm going to start with the Sync Project because it's not my favorite one, but it's the one that, that brought uh, me to your attention. So tell me about the Sync Project. Tell me what it's designed to do and how did you get involved with it? Sure. So the Sync Project is looking at music um, as a new form of personalized medicine. Mm-hmm. And the way that we got interested in it is part of our broader focus on mental health. So maybe I'll just take a step back and, yep. and talk about that for a second. The, you know, the, what we really believe is going to happen uh, eventually is that there will be a number of technologies that enable us to be able to treat mental health as a closed-loop system. So similar in some ways to what's happened with diabetes where you have these continuous glucose monitors and then you have insulin uh, pumps and the, the ability to act in a closed loop in that way we think is going to also be very relevant for mental health. So in thinking about ways that you would be able to monitor and then uh, intervene remotely uh, to monitor in a a no-burden way, and I'll talk about that in a minute, and then to be able to intervene remotely um, is very important. So, And then we started to get really interested in the the neuroscience of music. So there's a lot of uh, researchers that have been looking at how music affects the brain. I think we intuitively all know that we've been affected by music whether it's, you know, listening to, you know, a, a melancholy uh, song from our childhood or it's using music to accelerate our workout at the gym. Right. Uh, there's been some really interesting neuroscience, and then there's been some anecdotal research that's happened, and we thought it would be really helpful to create a platform that enabled us to take in information from sensors, from multiple sensors, to be able to, to um, get this physiological data, but then also map that onto the components of music. So, for example, rhythm, tempo, beat, and look for uh, potential signatures of types of music that might be relevant for different uh, health conditions. So, you know, there's some obvious ones that one would think about, like lullabies. You know, lullabies have uh, similar musical components to them. Could you identify what those are and then feed back to somebody music from their own playlist that they really like that has some of those components and help them to sleep. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a starting point. But, of course, the platform that we've built uh, is enabling us to test these, some of these hypotheses in both controlled clinical studies but then in, in very large studies. You know, so our vision is to have 100,000-person uh, studies in some of these different indications. One last point I'll say about the SYNC project is that there's some intuitive things where you think that that, um, music would be helpful, but there's been some really interesting research in areas that you might not have expected. So, for example, in the area of pain and uh, post-operative pain, there was some studies that really caught our attention because they showed that you could reduce the the need for opioids post-surgery with certain types of music. Uh, and then there's other areas like Parkinson's where one would not envision that music would have a benefit, but it's actually a really interesting space where there's a lot of research happening. Well, that's cool. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think we, we, I intuitively know that music impacts moods, but I, it's my understanding of this project is that individuals can volunteer online to be a part of the project. Is that what's going on? Yeah, at this point, we've got a community of engaged uh, individuals. Um, we have... Uh, a community of scientists that are working on the neuroscience of music. We've also brought in some musicians who are helping us on product strategies. So, for example, um, Peter Gabriel and um, St. Vincent and, and others that are working with us on product strategy. People can sign up to be part of it, but, but at this point, really, uh, what we're doing is control the clinical studies, and then uh, in the very near future, we're planning on rolling out 
much larger studies where this community can engage. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, these are areas like pain, sleep, movement, and others. How do you imagine the products? Do you, like we had on the show a company called Pair Therapeutics, which is using really a, a digital technology. They're going to actually pursue an FDA label um, that demonstrates that if you use their digital technology, they reduce recidivism for uh, substance use disorder. So they, they have been able to demonstrate that people that use their program don't go back to alcohol or marijuana or cocaine use. And they believe that that's got the potential to actually get an FDA label on it. What type of businesses around music do you think you can build once you've pulled this data together, which I think intuitively I believe you will be able to? Yeah, so um, in the case of the Think Project, um, we, we have a number of different paths that we could pursue. Uh, maybe I'll, if you're going to talk about FDA path, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Achille Interactive Labs, which is really, I think, pioneering the area of uh, digital medicine uh, going down an FDA path. So uh, Achille is developing... Uh, a non-pharmacological approach to treating, um, to both diagnosing and treating um, disorders that are cognitive disorders. So, for example, one of the first products that they're developing, which is now in a pivotal study for FDA approval, uh, is in the area of ADHD. And this is a remote uh, technology that's delivered in the form of a video game, an action video game platform. The idea is really that you are able to uh, measure uh, interference processing, which is a new neural target that was discovered by uh, scientists, including Adam Ghazali at UCSF. So the idea behind Achilles is that you know a doctor would prescribe you know with this treatment, and it would be you get a prescription code, um, download it, and you play the game for a certain amount of time. And uh, that information goes back to the doctor's office. Uh, some of it goes to patient, to the um, parents, and then um, it's really uh, a treatment with, we believe, the potential for drug-like efficacy, but without the drug. And that's actually a theme across a number of things that we're doing. This concept of drug-like efficacy without the drug, where we're doing clinical studies that are double-blind, placebo-controlled studies, or in this case, a sham-controlled study, where the sham is a game. Mm-hmm. So we're. Con- Controlling it, comparing it to a, a, another game. No, absolutely. I mean, we're we're talking a lot around here about about digital therapeutics, digital, digital medicines, and um, the way that we sort of describe it is that you've got to first, firstly, be able to um, use mobile technology, computers, etc., to engage um, the patient so that they want to be sort of a part of that environment. And then you have to provide a, a gaming infrastructure, for lack of a better term, or an interactive infrastructure that sort of leverages known you know, treatment for the disorder so that you can sort of get them thinking in the, in the right way, or in this case, I guess, improving somebody's attention span. Can you give me a little bit more detail about how the game might work or, or what the goals of the game would be once it's being utilized by a patient? Yeah, so um, to the point about the gaming environment, I think it's really, we see it as very important from a compliance standpoint that the game be engaging. Yeah. And so we, one of the first hires we made was the former executive art director at LucasArts, who was involved in, in the Star Wars franchise and Medal of Honor games. And uh, the way that this, this works, the technology platform, uh, there's a, um, you're basically measuring how somebody does two different tasks. Um, 
first separately and then layering those two together, and then measuring the, co the interference cost, which is how much of a hit do they take when, they, when you layer those two tasks together, so how much worse do they perform each, you know, each task. Uh, and actually, it turns out that that is a highly sensitive biomarker for overall cognitive state. The, the, the original work that was done on this interference processing mechanism was published on the cover of the journal Nature. So um, it's, it's um, really exciting pioneering work. Now, um, as I mentioned before, the idea is that, that this would be a treatment for disorders like ADHD where cognition is impacted, but we're also um, looking at this as a potential diagnostic for con conditions related to cognition. So, for example, Achille um, has an investment from you know, Shire Pharmaceuticals and also a, a collaboration with Pfizer looking at this as a potential diagnostic for early Alzheimer's. Hey, everyone. Tom here. I just want to take a quick break from this conversation to remind you to go to healthogy.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y.com. Sign up for the Breaking Health newsletter, and uh, you'll get these podcasts or podcasts just like this one, and uh, original content and uh, videos from our events and uh, from elsewhere. So if you want to uh, be on top of the changes in the healthcare system, sign up for the Breaking Health newsletter. Now back to this conversation. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's really awesome. I, I, um, so how far, how far along are they? How, how, how soon do you think they'll be able to develop a product? Well, right now they're in a, you know, they've already done, you know, a number of, of studies and now they're in, in um, a, they've got 10 clinical studies going on and one of those is a pivotal study that would potentially be uh, sufficient for FDA approval if it went well uh, in ADHD. So the first product, the first therapeutic product that they're looking at is ADHD but they're looking at a number of other conditions that relate to cognition. I can also take a step back and, and talk a little bit about this closed loop and um, one other area that we think is really important, the ability to monitor. You know, so yeah. Achille you know, has a monitor product and a diagnostic, um, and we also have other uh, programs at PureTech that we're developing that are focused on monitoring. So, for example, uh, this company that, that um, this program that we're developing called Sond Health. And Sond Health is developing vocal biomarkers. So if you think back to how the, the, the smartphone has enabled, you know, digital health and digital medicine applications, there was sort of a first wave uh, of technologies that were based on analyzing patterns uh, related to accelerometer, GPS, and phone usage data to try to understand, uh, you know, health and disease states and how those were affected by those uh, usages. And, you know, there's some issues that are very informative, very powerful, but they also have some issues related to sensitivity and specificity that would be required for clinical or medical utility. Uh, the next wave was really around a growing number of wearable devices that have sensors that enable you to um, extend that, the capabilities of the phone to be able to, to monitor um, potentially health states. And those, those run into issues that relate to the cost and burden. So some people don't want to buy these devices. Other people buy them and stop using them after like a month or two. Uh, and so what we're really, the, the future we believe that it's really enable uh, monitoring uh, that is moving us away from episodic and systematic care to more continuous and preventative care 
What we believe is needed is a low burden or no burden way to monitor uh, patients. <laughs> and, you know, when you look back to the phone, come back to the phone, you know, the human voice, which was what the phone was originally designed to, um, to access, is a really rich source of health information. So, for example, uh, saying just a single phrase involves really complex coordination of a number of different uh, multiple neural circuits in the brain, you're con you need to be able to control the respiratory system. You're, um, you're using basically 100 muscles to make a single sound. Uh, and when you have disease-specific disruptions of any of these systems, you're going to have subtle but really um, characteristic changes in the non-linguistic features of voice. <laughs> so, for example, there's people who analyze what you say, but this is really, you know, not what you say but how you say it. And um, we're working on a technology that enables you to do that while still not requiring you to maintain the actual conversation. So we don't need to know what you said. We just need to know uh, how you said it, and we can actually extract those features in a way that preserves privacy. So, so for example, you would have, would you need a baseline voice sort of um, profile in order for that to work, or does, it, does the signature appear in, in the voice, uh, regardless of what you think the baseline is. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and there's, there's some signatures um, that you can extract without baseline. Obviously, it's always helpful to have a baseline, but, uh -huh. but there's um, one of the things that's exciting about this technology is that there are these characteristic um, changes that happen in certain conditions. So can you give me an example? Of, have, they, have they been able to identify at this point, conditions that they can recognize through changes in in one in a person's voice. What type of conditions um, are you thinking about? Anything? High blood pressure, high blood sugar, exhaustion, depression, or are is there a sort of certain conditions that you know you'll be able to to find in the voice, or is the experiment to try to figure out how many of them you can find? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work that's been done similar to the area of music and neuroscience. Um, there's been a lot of studies, and um, in some areas the data are, are much more robust than others. Uh, one of the areas that, you know, so there's areas like uh, depression, cognitive impairment, you know, brain injury, Parkinson's disease. There's, there's cardiovascular um, disorders where the, the um, science is a little bit further behind. Mm -hmm. um, and even respiratory conditions where, you know, again, the science is a little bit further behind, um, but there's, there's some interesting work that's going on there. Uh, one of the areas we're most excited about is depression, being able to monitor um, depression, particularly in at-risk populations, for example, postpartum. Yeah, sure, sure. So, if, if, so for example, if, and, and we have... Uh, had a company on the podcast called uh, Health Reveal, uh, which is proposing to find high-risk patients for various forms of disease and to create a monitoring process for them while they're sort of not at the doctor's office so that they can see how, say, their heart rate or their blood pressure or other uh, indications perform and maybe they might be able to catch an arrhythmia before a stroke, for example, or other types of conditions that could lead people to uh, consequential health events. Um, and of course, they're going to use the advancements in wearables. But if, if you thought that I was at risk, let's say, for suicide, if I was going to have a depressive event, 
would you install the app on my phone and it would read my voice while it, while I'm speaking on the phone and and if if it, there was a signature uh, that you believed was indicative of my having a, a depressive incident that there would be some form of intervention is that the the sort of business model that you would think about that's exactly right so it would be uh, you, the, the approach that we're taking would would involve the provider the physician uh, and there would be a um, there would definitely be once somebody is identified as at risk in any of these conditions there would be um, a you know a treatment piece of this and you know whether that's referring to a provider or whether that's an actual treatment that could eventually happen and that that really de- depends on the severity of whatever condition you're talking about uh, and you know the way that it's currently treated right now so for example you know there's specific conditions like depression where, you know, you're going to be referring to a provider, having a provider in the loop, a human in the loop. Mm-hmm. Um, but there might be other um, conditions where, you know, there, there's potential to intervene with a uh, approach that isn't uh, a traditional sort of um, medicine approach. So, you know, there's, there's different things that one could do. And, and right now we're really uh, at the early stages of, of mapping out all the potential different business models. That's very cool. That's very cool. So we've talked about music, which, which makes sense. We've talked about using games as a diagnosis and treatment tool. And we've talked about using the voice as a, uh, a diagnostics or maybe even a surveillance tool, right, for someone who you might think is at risk as they go forward. So a lot of people have asked me this question. And I'm going to assume for a second that you've got an answer to it from a standpoint of, Artificial intelligence, well, obviously, there's going to be some of that in what you just described. And uh, the other side was virtual reality. And I'm wondering, as you're, as you're beginning to think about the brain side of your portfolio, have you come across ideas? Give us the sense of the, the state of play, if you know, of, of how those technologies are being thought about um, in this area. Yeah, I mean, definitely artificial intelligence, machine learning in particular, is a big part of any one of these um, mm-hmm. approaches because you want... You know, you want the technology to get smarter as you learn more. Um, so that's a, that's a very big part of it. And, you know, we all are kind of nerdy. So, you know, virtual reality, um, you know, we, those are the kinds of things that we love to um, to test. So, you know, in the case of, you know, Achille, they've definitely been looking at um, those technologies and integrating with those. But I think from, from our perspective, we're really starting with the problem that we're trying to solve. So any of these technologies... Uh, they're interesting and they represent the current state of the art as well as technologies that are in development right now in academia, which, uh, you know, are really more futuristic. All of those technologies are reviewed as part of understanding how they actually could solve for a problem in healthcare. Mm-hmm. So that's really our approach. And, you know, while we get excited about technology, we're really coming at it from the problem that we're trying to solve. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally get that. So, um, I know you've got a much broader portfolio, and what I would, would say, would, would say if, there, if there are other companies you'd like to highlight while we're talking in terms of uh, areas where you're looking at um, the, the immune system or the gut that you find interesting, please feel free to mention a couple of those companies at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the areas that we're really excited about is the human microbiome. You mm-hmm. know, we were one of the first groups sort of spending time looking at that space. Um, it's become increasingly clear that these microorganisms that live on in, a, in us 
are um, going to impact pretty much every aspect of human health and disease. So um, it's really you know important to understand you know, the microbiome and, and its implications. We've been looking in particular the areas where the science is most advanced is the interaction between the microbiome and the immune system. So we formed an initiative there, um, which we call Vedanta. Mm-hmm. They just raised $50 million last week, so you might have heard about them. They also have a $340 million partnership with Johnson & Johnson in one indication, IBD, but they've got a very, very broad um, you know, platform and, and many other technologies in areas from infection to autoimmune disorder and allergy to um, immune oncology. So it's a very, very exciting platform. Uh, we're also looking uh, at an earlier stage at uh, the impact of the microbiome in early childhood and where the, the science around that is a little bit earlier, but it's very, very exciting as well. And we have an initiative in that space called Clemence. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that we're doing. I'd love to I could talk about the stuff that we're doing all day long. Sure. <laughs> I think that we're all out of time. So um, yeah, I really appreciate this conversation. It's, I feel like you and I could talk for another hour. Yeah, no, it would be fun. It would be fun. Uh, let me just give you one last question and we'll close out. If I understand right, you've, uh, you've raised quite a bit of money for your portfolio. So um, how, how big do you want to grow the portfolio to? Are you, do you have a fund that's associated with the investments? And if um, people have ideas that they want to get to you, what's the best way to get to you? Right, yeah. So we really think of ourselves as more of a biotech company than a fund. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have the, um, we put each of our programs into an independent company. That's just really um, primarily to, to a mechanism to incentivize top tier management to come in and run these. Uh, and it's also, um, you know, a way to, for us to have flexibility. But we really see it, PureTech, as a new type of biotech company. And um, we're applying new modalities at the interface of the gut brain immune system. So th- the way we see the future is that, um, you know, we're going to grow. And just like there's major biotech and pharma companies today, when they got started, um, especially the big biotech companies, they didn't look like other, um, other companies. So we have a little bit of a different structure, but we're envisioning that, that that's going to be an advantage in today's really rapidly changing healthcare landscape. Uh, and we're always interested in hearing about ideas. You know, we typically will look at ideas within a theme that we're focused on or a problem. So, um, and if people are interested in um, telling us about an idea, particularly academic or, or technology stage idea, we, we um, on our website, I think we have a, a info at puretechhealth.com and that's monitored by a team of really smart entrepreneurial scientists. So um, we try to look at everything we we receive. Very good. Well, listen, thank you for your time today, and uh, I really appreciate your joining us. Yeah, thank you so much, Steve. Pleasure. Well, thank you, Daphne Zohar, for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. Uh, We've known each other for for many years. Happy to see you applying PureTech's expertise uh, to digital therapeutics. Lots of exciting things going on. Steve Krupa, you did another great job. Thank you for hosting the Breaking Health Podcast. Thanks, of course, to our listeners uh, for joining us. Don't forget to go to healthagy.com. Not only can you sign up for the Breaking Health newsletter, but you can uh, begin to see some information about our Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, which will be coming up on November 2nd in Boston. Please do register, and we will see you in Boston.